we're always looking for useful tools to add to our toolbox. Recently, we've come across this idea of motivational interviewing, and we wondered just what is this and how can we use it as enablers of change? So in this episode, we're exploring motivational interviewing. Back in the 1980s, psychologists would often accuse their alcoholic clients of blatant lying and of being in denial. Bill Miller, a clinical psychologist in the US, thought the people who drank too much were already only too well aware of their problem. He realized that we evoke resistance when we try to pers persuade people that they drink too much or need to make a change in their lives. Instead, he started asking them questions and listening intently to their answers. Stephen Rolnick, a nurse trainee in the UK, was working in addiction treatment and read one of Bill's early papers about this new approach. A few, late, few years later, they happened to meet in Australia, being the centre of the universe as it is, and started collaborating on this new way of helping people change and called it motivational interviewing. The central tenant is that instead of trying to convince someone to change, it's better to help them find their own motivation to change. When we start interviewing someone, we don't really know what will motivate them to change. We can only guess. But for this approach, instead of guessing, we just ask them. To do this well, we need a generous mix of humility and curiosity. The goal is to help them break out of their existing thought patterns and discover new possibilities. Rolnick and Miller define motivational interviewing as a directive, client-centered counseling style for eliciting behavior change by helping clients to explore and resolve ambivalence. They say that it's defined by its spirit as a facilitative style for interpersonal relationship. In contrast with non-directive counseling, it's more focused and goal-oriented. Another more formal definition is that it's a client-centered, semi-directive communication approach that harnesses another person's intrinsic motivation towards change by developing their awareness of discrepancies in their life and resolving ambivalence towards change in order to initiate and facilitate change. Now, that's from the Motivational Interviewing Workbook for Change Agents uh, by Barbara Orr and Marilyn Stein. It's a bit of a mouthful, so let's break it down, John. That's a good idea, Denise. Psychology tells us that we all have intrinsic motivation. That's behavior driven by internal rewards rather than from something or someone outside us pushing us to do something. That's the opposite, extrinsic motivation. Some examples of behavior motivated intrinsically might be gardening or reading a book when we do these because it makes us feel satisfied and happy. Consider the opposite. Someone says that they'll pay us to read each book we read. That's extrinsic motivation. And the research actually says it reduces our enjoyment. So back to motivational interviewing, uh, this is where we seek to harness the intrinsic motivation already present and direct it towards a vision for change held by that person. Motivational interviewers do this by raising awareness of current behaviors and the consequences and problems that this brings and the benefit of changing these behaviors, but by getting the person to identify this, not just us saying it. <laughs> 
Orr and Stein say this is because we're respecting a person's autonomy when we do this. Autonomy is the ability to make our own decisions. Having our autonomy threatened means that someone else is forcing us to do something or change. Motivational interviewing is designed to help acknowledge our autonomy. So what are the principles of motivational interviewing? Orenstein suggests the following. Firstly, expressing empathy. This is really important because we're more open when there is empathy and we tend to shut down when it's lacking. Secondly, it's about developing awareness of discrepancies. This is the point of motivational interviewing, raising awareness of the discrepancies between behaviours and vision. Raising awareness of the difference between these helps increase discomfort, which we need to experience to make the effort to change. Next is rolling with resistance. This means acknowledging resistance to change and reframing it as a strength or how we could use this to help diffuse resistance to change. And next is promote self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the sense that we have control over making change. So high self-efficacy means that we feel able to make changes, whereas low self-efficacy means we're more likely to believe that anything we do won't make a difference. Motivational interviewing helps to highlight a person's strengths and abilities so they see they can make changes. And finally, amplify ambivalence. This is exploring what has people stuck and identifying anything that is holding them back from changing, as well as being explicit about what we might need to give up when we make changes. If you're thinking that motivational interviewing might be a useful tool, we thought we'd be helpful to cover a few of the core skills required. Stein and Orr list four skills, namely open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summarizations. We think these skills are already part of what makes enablers of change effective, so it seems reasonable that we could use them for motivational interviewing. It's worth reminding ourselves at this point that motivational interviewing comes from psychology, primarily as a counselling tool and has been used extensively in the health field. But that's not to say that agriculture hasn't tried this approach. We found several research projects centred on training veterinarians to use motivational interviewing. The researchers explored whether this training made a difference in the way in which vets communicated with farmers on herd health. The results suggest it did. You can read more about this if you're interested, and we've put some links into the show notes. Uh, we also came across the use of motivational interviewing for a project involving egg producers in the UK. Facilitators trained in motivational interviewing worked one-on-one -on -one with farmers to develop action plans for the health of the flock. The results show that this approach was effective in creating change on farm. So motivational interviewing is a tool that sits between following via active listening and directing through giving information and advice. It's designed to help empower people to change and is based on being curious and respectful. We've put a link to a helpful three-page guide in the show notes if you're interested in learning more. 
Well, you've heard our thoughts. Now we'd like to hear yours. Add a comment below the blog post and tell us about your experiences with motivational interviewing. Have you heard about it? Used it? Please include any tips and further ideas about it. We don't want this just to be a one-way conversation. So please join in by sharing your thoughts and ideas with us. Thanks, folks, for joining us on this Enablers of Change episode. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter if you'd like to know when new episodes are available. And if you liked what you heard, please tell your friends so they too can join the conversation. All the best until we meet again.